0: knew other people weren't going to be here, and this morning it just felt different, so I brought my Lysol in, and I Lysoled everything, and I thought, you know what, we're just, going to, we're just going to have a good service, and I'm excited that you are here with us. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, my voice is a little cracky today. Um, we have been, for the last 11 weeks, surrounded by emptiness. Go ahead and start. Huh? Um, there is a local photographer, Kim Schroeder who spent part of these 11 weeks photographing emptiness in our town. He has in his album on Facebook over 70 pictures of places and streets and locations where there is no one. And when I went through that album the first time, I just was overwhelmed by the sense of emptiness and the sense of aloneness that those pictures portrayed. Places I've been, places I've been where it's been crowded and suddenly there is nothing and there is no one. I asked him if I could share his pictures today. He gave me permission to do so and that is what you are looking at. I'm not going to share all 72 or we'd be here a while but I, I chose a few to share with you. Um, the one that actually really got me was the one of the mall parking lot and this one that you're seeing now the interstate or the interchange there at um, Just right over here actually by Menards The highway by right there. And that's what that is. And there's like what four cars on there. It's just craziness um, There is another place where emptiness got me I have to tell you that last day when I walked out of my classroom March 13th, we, we knew that on Monday we would send our kids home. The kids would come on Monday, 13, 14, 15, 16. Now on March 16th, they would come on the 16th, and, and we would send them home for three weeks. But we would get them back. And they told us that, um, you know, you, cannot, you can't hug them, you can't high-five them, you can't handshake them, you can't do anything, you have to just shoo them out the door. And so that's what I did, because I thought in three weeks I'll get give them a hug, and it'll be good. And then the next day I went to work, and we were told to plan not to have our kids back again this year. Because we were told that the, the extension of time was indefinite. And they said, you know, nobody knows for sure, but we all kind of think that this is probably it for the year, as far as in the building. And that day, when I walked out of my room, my room was empty. And there was no laughter. And there wasn't any sound of learning. And I cried. that sense of emptiness that I felt. We've been surrounded by emptiness for 11 weeks. But we aren't the first people to experience emptiness, are we? In John 2, 1-12, we read the story of the wedding where Jesus performed his first miracle. Now in that culture, the host had a huge responsibility. His responsibility was to make sure that all of his guests were well cared for. And when the, guest, when the host ran out of wine, he could have been terribly, terribly embarrassed. The wine jugs were empty. And yet, Jesus filled them with wine. You see, Jesus came in. He told the servants, get the wine jugs, fill them with water. And Jesus did what Jesus does. He brought fullness to emptiness. My favorite story about emptiness, though, is the one that we're going to talk about today. You see, there was a mom... And her husband had been a wise man, but in living of his days and raising his sons, he had accumulated some debt. And unfortunately, he died. And as will happen, his creditors came to his wife looking for payment. All she had was two two sons and a small pot of oil. The options before her were limited. The creditors were preparing to take her sons as slaves. I want to listen to her story this morning as it is told in Scripture. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1-7 through seven. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour the oil into all of the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left." This woman had treasures in her family, didn't she? She had a godly husband she loved, and she had her sons whose lives she had poured her own life into. But now it was all different. Her husband was gone. And her remaining treasures, her sons, are about to be taken away from her. So she goes to the prophet to ask for advice, and she does what he says. She borrows every single empty container that she can. She surrounded herself with emptiness. If you can just kind of get this picture in your head of table, of a tabletop and even the floor and the beds, everything around her covered in empty jars. Empty vessels of some type. She was surrounded by emptiness. And I can only imagine how overwhelming that must have been. Her heart was already broken and empty. And now she is surrounded by visual images of emptiness. Does that sound familiar to you? That may... You may identify with her for the past 11 weeks. You may have identified with that feeling of emptiness, that feeling of no one around you and and nothing exciting or fun or new or whatever. We've talked on the phone, some of us. I've tried to talk to most of you on the phone. I've gotten to see my kids. We socially distanced a couple of picnics and did that and... That was fun. And and of course, I I don't know if you know, but I flew to Colorado to see my dad who has cancer. So I got to to have that experience. But other than that, we've pretty much been at home like y'all. And our life has felt very empty. But in our emptiness, I believe God wants to teach us. He taught this woman some things. The first thing that she learned was that there are times when we need the help of others. There will probably come a time in our lives when we will need to hear thoughts from another voice. Did you see what the woman did? She went to the prophet, explained her situation, and asked for guidance. Friends, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to ask for advice. It's okay to tell a friend, you just need a verbal hug. Emily and I have kind of laughed because whenever I've seen him, I've always gone, air hug! (laughs) And then we finally gave up and we just hugged anyway. Because I couldn't take it any longer. But we were doing that whole air hug thing. One of my friends from work, we message almost every day because that's part of our job. And at the end of the phone call, she'll say, I love you. I miss you. And it's like, you never told me you loved me before you missed me. <laughs> but you know what? We've just developed those friendships and we, we've realized how important we are in each other's lives, how much we need each other's advice, how much we need each other's encouragement and the strength that we draw from one another. It is okay to need another person. During this time, I hope, we've, I hope that we've sent letters, and I hope we've made phone calls, and, and messaged, and chatted, and texted, and those kinds of things. Dr. Donnelly, our district superintendent, has been so good with our pastors. Every Thursday night, he's had a Zoom meeting, which I don't know if you know what Zoom is, but Zoom is this annoying platform on a computer where you see 25 faces that are all about two inches big. And you can see everybody you're in this meeting with, except that his meetings got too big and we ended up having two pages and so I have to flip back and forth between who was talking. But it was okay, because I could see him. And he brought in special people like, um, like Jim Deal, Dr. Jim Deal, who used to be a superintendent. In fact, he ordained us many years ago. Um, he he brought in um, Dr. Carla Sundberg, um, our women our women superintendent right now, general superintendent. He's brought in um, college presidents and other people who are just amazing to encourage us and bless us, and so we would be refilled and not feel so empty and so isolated. The widow woman went to the prophet she explained her situation and then she waited now she was in person meeting with him so she didn't have a long wait there sometimes though when we go to someone for advice sometimes their answer is you know i'm gonna have to think about that i'll get back to you and sometimes we just have to wait but she was willing to do that you see There are times when we go to God and we ask for help and sometimes we take our own plan and we say father this is the problem this is what I want to do would you bless it and I think sometimes God goes (coughs) I have a different plan in mind sometimes we just need to step back and wait to wait on God to lead us in the way that will fill our emptiness or that will solve our problem. The prophet for this woman answered fairly quickly. Now I'm sorry, but if somebody looked at me and said, I want you to go to your neighbor and I want you to borrow every jar in their house. Don't ask for just a few of them. Borrow every jar in their house. I would probably look at them and go, have you lost your mind? Because I have friends who can, and if I asked them for all their jars, I would be taking buckets full of jars to my car, and I would be making more than one trip, okay? But this woman didn't look at him like he was crazy. She trusted him, and she did what he said. The second thing this woman learned was that she didn't just need advice, she needed help. She needed help from her neighbors. Guys, it's okay to ask for help too. It's not just that we need to ask for an air hug or whatever. Sometimes we need to say, could you please do this for me? It's okay. Cindy called this week and asked for me to do something for her. And unfortunately, I was working, and I wasn't able to do it, and I felt so badly because it's so seldom that we get asked to help. But do you know how good it makes us feel when somebody says, you know what, they'll help me," And we always try to be available to help. And there are people around you who want to be available to help. Let them. Let them help. We need sometimes to rely on others. During this time of isolation, I have relied on Facebook to encourage me because as annoying as it can be sometimes, my kids talk to me on Facebook. And my friends talk to me on Facebook. And I relied on texting with Sandy occasionally. And I made phone calls, and Shirley and I chatted on the phone a few times, and Ray and I chatted on the phone a few times, and I tried to chat with people on the phone, and I tried to mail cards out, and I I welcomed those same kinds of things back. This woman needed the help of her neighbors, and she went to her neighbors and she asked for containers, and they gave her containers, all sizes of containers, and she filled her house with containers after container after container. He said, don't ask for just a few. The prophet told her, don't ask for just a few. Ask for all that they have. This was a quick run through the house and the church. Can you imagine if I'd actually taken the time to look? How many could we have filled this place with? This woman filled her home with empty containers. Emptiness in those containers, wow. She looked at him, she probably was like overwhelmed. I kind of picture her with a little pitcher of oil, maybe about this size. And she's got all these containers to fill. And the third thing she learned was she needed to exercise her faith by shutting the door and doing what she was told. Sometimes God does his miracles in private. Sometimes it is as much about our obedience as it is his power. She shut the door. She took her little pitcher of oil and she began. She filled jar after, jar after jar after jar after jar after jar after jar and on and on and on. She simply did what the prophet told her to do. And she got to see how God can multiply whatever it is that we give to him. Whatever we are willing to surrender to him, to his will, and to his work, he can use in mighty, incredible, astronomical, unexplainable ways if we will let him. My friends, if God did it then, he can do it now. Some of you may remember that song, Little is Much When God is in it. The woman surrendered the very minimal thing that she had, and she saw God work in an incredible way. Reminds me of a young boy who had a few loaves and a couple of fish. And God took them and he fed 5,000 men, plus women and children. God can take our very small gifts, our very small congregation, our very small things, and he can make them huge. He can infuse power, and he can make them fill the emptiness. Can you imagine the faith that grew in her boys that day? There were times when we were young and in college and first starting out that we didn't have a lot. But we would sit down with our boys and we would pray. And we just always believed that God was going to meet our needs, and God always did. When we were in college, we moved from an apartment to a house. And it was a stick-built house. We never had a stick-built house. We'd always been in apartments or trailers. And so we were excited to have a stick-built house on ground where it had a crawl space under it, and it had an attic in it, and it had a garage. Whoa, this is a gift. This was amazing. We were moving into our house, and John and I had seen the house, but the kids had not. And we were moving in that first day, and we walked in the house, and the boys' bedrooms, well, all the bedrooms were down a hall to the left. And Nathan Michael, our oldest, ran straight through the house, through the kitchen, and into the dining room, and was looking out the back window. And I said, Nathan, don't you want to see your bedroom? He said, no, Mom, I'm looking for my climbing tree. And I said, what is a climbing tree? And he said, it's a tree that little boys can climb. And I said, honey, I don't know if there's a climbing tree out there. And he said, Mom, I've been praying for one. Of course there's one there. And as I walked to the dining room window, I was praying, God, please, please, please let there be a tree there. And I got to that back window, and guess what? There was a climbing tree. Our boys spent hours in that tree, in their climbing tree. Something so small that didn't matter to me, that John and I had completely forgotten he wanted. God heard his prayer. God took that little, tiny boy's prayer and grew a beautiful tree in a yard. That was just the right size for little boys to climb. You see, just as Nathan's faith grew, I believe that mom's boys' faith grew as they watched her pour oil, oil after oil after oil after oil. The fourth thing that that mom learned was that God's provision is sufficient for the task at hand and it always meets our needs. As we follow this story through to its conclusion, we see that the oil flowed and flowed and flowed and flowed until there were no more containers to fill, and when there were no more jars, the oil stopped. There wasn't extra oil or wasted oil. There was only the oil that was necessary to do the task. As the prophet had instructed her, she took the oil and she sold it. And with the money from that sale, she paid off the debts that she had inherited, and she still had enough money to live off of for the rest of her life. Did you see that? When God provides, he does so by meeting every need. The widow's needs went went beyond just the debt. Her needs included being able to care for her sons. And God made a way for her to do so. My friends, there are times when we feel as though our lives are filled with emptiness, when nothing has gone the way we expected it to. And that is when God desires to fill us. for another moment in the Bible, about a time when people were surrounded by a sense of emptiness. Jesus had been crucified. He had risen from the dead and he had ascended to heaven, and his followers who were living obediently were sitting in an upper room praying. And even though they were doing what God asked them to do, I believe they probably felt a sense of emptiness. They probably felt a sense of of overwhelming sadness that Jesus, who they loved, was gone from them. But they did as the woman did. They followed the instructions. They shut the door. They shut themselves into the upper room where they prayed and waited for the promised comforter. And God did not disappoint. He sent the Holy Spirit to fill them, not just them as a group, but them one by one as individuals. God sent His Spirit to them individually. Each one of them received the infilling power and presence of the Holy Spirit that day. Today is Pentecost Sunday. It is the day when we celebrate the infilling of the Holy Spirit on the early church. But my friends, the story does not end there. The exciting thing is that God wants to continue to fill His church with His Spirit and His presence even today. He wants to fill His people with His Spirit Today. And we may already have received the gift of his salvation, but have you ever gone to the gas station just to top off the tank? God wants to also top off the tank sometimes. He wants to give us a new touch of his spirit, a new sense of his presence in our life, a new infilling, a new touch. God is here with us this morning. As we pray this morning, ask him to fill you again, to fill you anew, to top off the tank. Ask him to fill you with his presence and his love and his grace so that his spirit may flow out into the world touch the lives of those you come in contact with every day let's pray our father we come to you this morning empty our spirits are empty because we have just been drained from being apart from one another, but already, Lord, we've sensed your filling because we've been together, and we have laughed together, and we have sung together, and we have prayed together, and we have studied your word together, and we fill you, filling us. Father, would you send your spirit to us once again? Would you pour yourself into us once again? Help us to sense your presence and to feel your your grace and your leading so that as we interact with the world around us from a distance or up close, that they would sense your presence as well. Father, we love you. Help us to be light in a dark world. Thank you, Father. Thank you. As we go now from here, Father, help us to share this love that you have given to us, this grace that that you have given to us, this filling from the Spirit that you have granted to us. Help us to share it with those around us. Help us to pour it out upon them as you have poured it out upon us. Help us, Lord, that they would see you in us. We love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. We praise you. And we worship you today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here today. The Lord bless you and keep you.